Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our producer today, William Jeffries. And today we'll be talking about how much is too much risk for your organization or product. We'll talk about what is risk, why you would want to have it, or maybe not. And then some examples we've seen in the field about risk. You know, we've been in many different clients, so it's fair to, for us to have seen a lot of different... Yeah, organizations do it differently. I mean, different companies have different levels of tolerance. Yeah. Well, let's define it, right? Like, what is risk? I mean, so I think when it comes to engineering, what we're really talking about is the risk that you fuck up your product in a way that makes you lose money yeah. or pisses off your customers. Yeah. You know, maybe that's a production outage. Maybe that's a feature that goes away. Maybe that's like you screw up your accounting and all your numbers are wrong. There are different degrees to which you can thoroughly screw up your software. Yeah. So you would want to identify based on your users whether they're okay with production being out for 20 minutes and while you're fixing something or whether that's really bad. Whether you can alleviate some of that risk by rolling back what you just introduced to the customer that may have been a breaking change, like that kind of stuff. Right. All that is like not calculated like by hand or with a machine, but that all plays a part in how much risk your product has. So like, why would you want it, want that risk in the first place, I guess, is the question. I mean, I, I think that taking on some product risk in order to ship faster is a good idea for earlier stage companies where you have less to lose. Right. You know, if you're not really making very much revenue anyway, then shipping out features quickly so that you can start to find product market fit and come up with something that actually does generate revenue, that's probably worth it. Yeah. Right? Whereas if you are a bank or a Fortune 500 company and you're talking about bringing down major infrastructure that's going to cause a lot of negative press, it's going to affect your stock price, Yeah, like, you <laughs> have a lot more to lose. Yeah, you don't want to deal with that, having outages in that regard. I guess the question I have is... Yeah, I think it it ultimately is up to the user and the product, right? Like, suppose you worked at your website deals with like publication, like newspapers and stuff like that. Like, will your customers be upset if the website is down at three in the morning? Well, it depends on how many customers are actually reading articles at three in the morning. But, you know, if it's the New York Times and you have a lot of users, then you may not want to, you know, disrupt the user by having that risk. You want to have the website up, you know, as much as possible. Well, and some of these, you know, media companies, they make money on the big traffic spikes. So it's like, you know, if you have an article that goes viral, you need all your ads to load for that one article. That's the most important part of the site, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have like your comments feature breaks, that could be down for days and not really affect your revenue. But if you have that one viral article go down for the one hour when you could have had... 15 million views, that's like a way more expensive proposition. Right. So what are some ways that how can one or one organization, I guess, have more risk so that they can then find like the product that the users actually want and stuff like that? Because like to me, the first thing I think of is like your deployment game has to be crazy. Like being able to ship things and roll back whenever necessary yeah, has instant to be rollbacks. Yeah, has Absolutely. to be perfect. The more it's a great risk mitigation strategy. Yeah, because the like the better your deployment and your rollback strategies are, 
the more likely you're able to make risks and do those deployments to figure out what the user actually wants in the experience and stuff like that. I mean, I think like also how much you want to spend your engineering efforts toward mitigating risk has to do with your total amount of risk tolerance, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if you're pre-launch, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no you one ship, whatever, ship. Yeah, go ahead. Just they, get nobody's it Nobody's using there. pride. Yeah, get right? it out Or you're there. like in beta, nobody's paying. Like, yeah. whatever. The customers know that shit's going to break sometimes. Right, yeah. So you can just ship it however you feel, that kind of stuff. But say you have a product that's not in beta. It's like usable live code. Let's say that your product is making you a million dollars an hour. You bring that down, you better be able to get it back up really fast because if it's down for an hour, you're out a million dollars. Yeah, that's a lot of money you don't want to be out on. So like the ability to like to shorten that window, the shorter you can have that window of outage, the more risk you can have because you're able to do those deploys and roll back whenever necessary to you know shorten the amount of time if we're using one million per hour in our in this example, the shorter you can have it, the more money you can make while still having risk to do that in the first place. I, I mean, I think part of it is getting everybody in your company on the same page about how much risk you are able to take. Right. Because I mean, if your engineering department has a very high appetite for risk and your, you know, the business side does not. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're gonna have some problems, right? There has to be definitely some cross communication as to how much risk is tolerable for the engineers and the the business themselves, right? And if Bobby on your team has a really high tolerance for risk, and Bobby's manager does not, oh, like, like I also got some yeah, problems. Yeah, exactly. Bobby, uh, cowboy over here <laughs> may want to ship all the time, and we got to tell him to cool down. Relax. So you've instant rollback four times in the last 15 <laughs> minutes, dude. Maybe, <laughs> do you want to check locally yeah. first? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I guess going into the topic of when don't you want to have that risk, I guess, is the question that I have, right? Like, first off, Bobby should not have the ability to deploy the prod if he's out here straight YOLOing when the entire organization thinks otherwise. Right. But and that's the conversation that is from the organization to the cowboy coder. I'm going to call that person. But like, there are going to be some industries where you can't do that, I imagine, where you can't like deploy all the time. You have to make sure it's right the first time and it's done because, you know, the one thing that comes to mind is like hospitals. Like, I imagine like that software that keeps people alive, pacemakers or whatever have you, has to be. That has to work 100% of the time. 100% of the time, yeah. yeah. Zero downtime. I mean, pacemaker is the one thing. I don't think that you can get over-the-air Wi-Fi updates on a pacemaker. Right. But, but like there's whatever a, website. Some, yeah. Like, you know, helicopter navigate. If you are flying an aircraft yes. and you have, a, you have a glitch that makes you lose control of the aircraft. Yes, exactly. Like that, you want to make sure that, that there's absolutely, you cannot have any risk when making changes for those things. Have you ever worked in an organization that's like that? I mean, I've worked at big banks where there was a lot of compliance risk. And if you did the wrong thing, the bank could get sued. Right. And there was a lot of security risk because people were trying really hard to hack the bank. Yeah. Banks have a lot of money. Right. <laughs> Very have, high value target yeah, for yeah, hacking. Exactly. I've never worked on a medical product where someone could die. No, no, I, I don't think I have either. And I've worked at a bank as well. And very similar thing. Only, you know, a handful of people, only people who were compliant, like you had to take a course or something of that nature, 
were allowed to deploy to production and make the and ensure that all the lines of code don't have any memory leaks or where hackers can come in and make changes and whatnot is the experience that I have. So it's very like structured. There's like like almost like a political structure of ensuring that everything is fine and good where the bank can get sued, everything is well, and then you get to deploy. And it's like, yay, we did it we did a thing. It took us a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that happens. And for for good reason, as you mentioned, right? Like you you don't want hackers taking all the monies uh from their customers. You want to make sure that the code doesn't have breaking changes and whatnot. Let's talk about the opposite side of the spectrum. So have you worked at a place that had a lot of risk that just YOLO deployed? What was that? How is yeah. that? How is that different? So I remember working on one client where we did trunk-based development and the code would deploy every time that you pushed master and everybody's committing directly to master and pushing. So they deployed all the time. I miss Dave right now because I'm sure Dave can look at his tattoos and tell us exactly what episode number that was. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with, I've worked on projects where, you know, people were very casual about SSHing into prod and, you know, making, making changes in higher environments. I think that generally the, the main thing that I notice in common b- between all those companies is that they all had a lot to gain and not a lot to lose. Mm, right. It was like the more established you are as a company, the more money you're already making, the more customers you are worried about losing, mm-hmm. the more risk averse you become. Yeah. When you're in the beginning, when you're young, when you're super startup-y, before you have product market fit, it's worth it to take on the additional risk because like, if you get it right, if you blow up, if you become the next Slack or Spotify or mm-hmm. YouTube or whatever, and, and that's like possible, right? Like that's yeah. a thing that's in these companies' heads is we, yeah. could, we could blow up an IPO. Right. Then it'll all be worth it. And if we, if we blow it, well, you know, we only have like a thousand customers. Yeah. You know? It's only a thousand right now. Or like but whatever. Yeah. We only have like, you know. A small amount. Like a hundred thousand dollars in revenue monthly. Right. Yeah, I think I I've worked at a place that was more susceptible to risk because they wanted that to make those changes as fast as possible. But those places definitely nailed down their deployment strategies so that they were able to also roll back. Because the idea for them was we have this product in mind, we're gonna be the next Slack Spotify, if you will. But we need to have this in place right now so that in the future, we don't have to worry about this either. Like when when we're really big and we're making a million dollars an hour, we already have the strategy that allows us to deploy and roll back as fast as possible. Because that's another thing that I've seen where companies like blow up, but then like their deployments aren't as good as it could be. But they've already been gaining a lot of revenue, which is like a weird place you don't want to be in. So you would have to probably hire like stronger DevOps team to ensure that they can build deployment process that can fit to the organization, but not grow with the organization because it's grown too big. Do you prefer the strict no risk environment versus no, the no, risky? It's so much more boring. The like high risk tolerance, like let's ship constantly is oh, way more fun. Oh no. <laughs> I the exact I mean, opposite. Oh, really? Yeah, no. Cause just like, I don't know if I know my code is going to production. I like, I get anxiety. 
Right. Because it's like, oh, I did all the tests that I could, but but this is prod. Like like a lot of users are gonna hit a lot more users than what I just tested ever. So, so actually, so that that's what <laughs> I don't like about the really low risk tolerance companies is that it's still possible that you could break prod. It's just there. It's a way bigger deal. Yes, and that's like, true. At the low risk companies, people are like, well, okay. I mean, so you you pushed a bug into prod, but we're going to fix it really quick and it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is true. I think that whenever I deploy, I'm getting anxiety. But if I can see that everything is a-okay as fast as possible, then that's great. When there is like low risk tolerance and everybody approved it. I think also that like the amount of mitigation that they've done for the risk, like setting up instant rollbacks or mm-hmm. having good automated test coverage or yeah. like generally having a well-tested code base, you know, having good logging and monitoring in place so that you can easily figure out what's going wrong in prod. Right. Dockerizing things so that it's easy to rebuild. If yeah. the service goes down, spin it back up. Right. Those things have to be in place, though, like for you to feel comfortable when you do when you're feeling risky. I don't know. Some companies are like, whatever, <laughs> we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. I don't know. I don't know what we'll do if it breaks. <laughs> we're gonna figure it out together. <laughs> I guess we'll learn what kind of mitigation strategies we need to adopt after things go to go to hell in a handbasket. Exactly. Yeah, I think we definitely are on two different sides. You, William, feel a lot more riskier than I do. Just great. I, I mean, I think we are we're in agreement that both of us feel a lot more comfortable in environments where it's easy to deal with production problems. Right. Yeah. Because if you have a bad way, if your organization is not ready to deal with production problems, then that's also anxiety inducing already. Right. I mean, that's going to be a bad time whether people in general are highly tolerant or highly intolerant of risk. Yeah, that is true. Like if you know the thing that you're about to deploy requires manual hand rolling deploy and it takes forever to roll back that whole time right if you have like a two-hour deploy process that's going to be really painful oh yeah yeah you're sweating the whole time just knowing that they're like that there's a bug and it's hopefully going to be fixed in two hours yeah but i mean you don't even know right it's like you (laughs) could the, the fix could not actually work in prod and then you know you've wasted two hours waiting for the deploy to happen yeah Oh, man. Don't do that. Don't do that to your employees, people. Yeah. Have fast deploys. (laughs) Have instant rollbacks. Yeah. Be risky when you can. That's the idea. Yeah. I mean, if you're you're well protected, it's okay if you ship a bug. I mean, I think Facebook and Google do this where you do like phased rollouts. Yeah. So they'll ship things to like 1% and then 10% and then 50% of users. And, you know, if it fails for some small percentage, then they'll just roll it back. Yeah, just put it back to zero. Yeah, that's a great way to actually handle that risk. Just not one hundo P. All your customers get this new feature. You can roll it out slowly. And like Facebook has millions, billions of users. Right. 1%. That's a lot of people. Right. So. Yeah, I think it's harder to do if you're a normal scale company because you just don't have enough users to do a phased rollout for yeah. I mean, you could do 50-50. That's always good. Everybody likes 50-50. <laughs> Everybody likes 50-50. Yeah, I mean, you have to have enough people in your initial phase of rollout yeah. to be able to tell if things are failing because there's a problem with the code or if it's just a fluke. Right. Right? I mean, like, if you only have, like, 50 active users at a time and you roll out to 10% of them, that's, like, five people. That's five people. <laughs> it's like... They may not even know. Is it... 
I mean, maybe they just have like a weird plugin installed in their browser. Like, yeah. It could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, for 50 users, yeah, you'd have to, you have to figure it out. Yeah. And I mean, like, even if you have like, you know, 10,000 users, how many of them are online when you ship your feature? Yeah. If you deploy it at three in the morning, who's actually on your site and not with the window open asleep? Yeah. You'd have to track, figure out ways to ensure that those users are active. Well, risk is important. I guess it is. If you want to, you need to ensure that you are ahead of your competitors. If there aren't any in the space, you need to ensure that you can get those features out to your users before the competition does. And risk is definitely something that you will have to tolerate if you want to defeat the other organization. Yeah, I think the main thing is just making sure that it's discussed and that people are on the same page about it. Because even if you are at a very high risk, even if you're at a place that's very averse to risk, right? it's impossible to eliminate it altogether. Yeah. Any change to production code carries a certain amount of risk with it. Mm-hmm. So it's important to talk about exactly how bad we're going to let it get. Like, is a half hour of downtime okay? Yeah. It's like a minute of downtime okay? Yeah. Is it a second of downtime okay? Like, yeah. where is the line so that everybody can, you know, take whatever steps are necessary to mitigate the risk to the point where they feel comfortable making changes and, and meeting that bar? Right. I mean, I guess discuss with, I guess, the that we spoke about this before with the SLAs and the SLOs. Like, those, right, that yeah. conversation definitely comes up and you can identify the amount of time you want of downtime or whatnot. Right. Um, and the business can even propose these things and then the engineers can take it or can have a further discussion as to what those numbers actually are. Right. You don't, you don't want to be in a situation where like engineers thought it was okay to break a thing yeah, and they broke a thing and it wasn't down for that long and business is tearing their hair out. Exactly. Things were down for 83 seconds. Why was that? But it was just 83 seconds, right? Like one person may believe 83 seconds is nothing, but like the business can see that as a, a huge problem. But risk is important and you need to ensure that before you get a little risky, make sure your risk tolerance is high by ensuring you have the software and the strategies that would support that. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, And me, your host, Michael Nunez. Thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.